Let's go in-depth on all things Cyclones. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM, 1460 KXNO. Travis Hines and Randy Peterson coming to you the Monday after Iowa's State's 50-20 to 20 loss at Oklahoma. Randy and I spent quite a bit of time after the game talking about the game. So, I, Randy, I don't know that we need to completely rehash a what ultimately was a 30-point blowout for Iowa State, but I do think we left Norman really with two questions that can lead us down some various avenues of discussion that will ultimately lead to more questions. But I do think there's two fundamental questions that we walk out of here. One, two fundamental questions. I'm going to keep adding math How here. Many? Two fundamental questions and I think one fundamental truth. And I think the fundamental truth is that Oklahoma is just much better than right. Iowa State. I think that, should, that needs to be front and center in this conversation is that Iowa State, to me, this showed that they remain way back in terms of competing for the Big 12 championship. I think you know, this, maybe not quite at the scale, but this felt like that TCU season finale last year where it was like, man, like a reminder of where they were in 2020 at the mountaintop and how far they've slid back down, which again, I think at some point is a little inevitable at a place other than the absolute blue bloods, and it happens there too. But I think this was a reminder that Iowa State to get back to the top of the mountain that they want to, long way to go here. To do that, I think there's two fundamental immediate level questions here. How concerned or how fundamentally exposed was an Iowa State defense on Saturday and to some extent the week prior to Oklahoma State? And two, what do we make of this Iowa State offense that showed the ability to throw the ball, but also really evaporated in the second half against Oklahoma. And I think the most pressing question is that defense. So let's start there because I do think we've seen it for years that Iowa State's success, the backbone of it and the foundation of it, is getting elite-level defense from John Haycock and his players. We have not seen that the last two weeks, and I think it goes beyond just having two poor weeks or even some injuries I, I am a little worried, maybe even more than a little, I'm moderately worried about that defense's ability to be beyond good, certainly great, and I think elite might be off the table. I agree with everything you, you, you said, Travis. We, we, for weeks and weeks, months, years, seasons, we've taken Iowa State's defense for granted. The, the goodness, greatness of Iowa State's defense, goodness and greatness at times, of Iowa State's defense for granted. We just expect that side of the ball under John Haycock is going to be super every every game. And if there is a problem, we just assume it'll work itself out throughout the course of a game. Now, to your point, we did not see any of that work itself out on Saturday, especially the back end being exposed which T.J. Tampa said were blown coverages. I wonder if all those were blown coverages. I don't know. Certainly some of them were. But I'm not convinced the front, whatever it is, six, seven, five, six, probably the front seven, six, is not the problem right now. We know that, that 
those guys are relatively new, except for Gary Vaughn, and even they're 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 rotating um, um, the middle down lineman, whatever they call him, tackle guard, whatever he is, Singleton and Orange. Yeah, Singleton. They're, they're rotating those guys in there. So I don't know whether anybody in the front seven, to be quite honest with you has been consistent to the point that we can say wow they're playing good football I don't in an individual I don't I don't know whether I don't know whether we've seen that and there's a freshman obviously starting at a true freshman starting at linebacker and I'm not I'm not I think he's going to be pretty good but so I think I am at least in my belief to the point where I can no longer take Iowa State's defense for granted that it's going to be good. Now I share your concern that, dude, this that's they've got some problems here, and they I, and we if it was going to be fixed, it would have been fixed by now. I'm assuming. Um, and I how do you? But you can't fix young. You really yeah. can't. Well, I think again, there's within this, there's two tracks. Are they playing good football? is less important right now because they're not playing productive football up front. They're not getting pressure. Like So that's an immediate question. The good football, I think, matters when you're looking out into the future because there's young guys there. You know, Are they playing fundamentally sound? Are they just slow? Are they not fast enough, strong enough that will come with time or experienced enough? I think that matters for the long term. I think in terms of trying to beat TCU on Saturday, trying to beat Cincinnati the week beyond that and beyond, what matters is are you they playing productive football? And they are not in terms of pressuring the quarterback. And you know, the whole dime stack three three five, you gotta get some pressure on the quarterback, presumably without throwing a lot of exotic blitzes in there. It's gotta be the three guys up front, it's gotta be one of those linebackers. And for years we saw Jaquan Bailey do it. Then we saw Will McDonald do it. We saw MJ Anderson do it. We saw any Uazarike do it. You know, there's been a long list of really productive defensive linemen. We saw them have superstars at linebacker and Mike Rose. Orion Vance was very good, not at the level of Mike, but still very good. I think Gary's good, but he's probably not at the level of OV either. And then you're talking about a bunch of new guys at positions across the linebacking group as well that they're just not getting the production there that they need to make the whole thing go. I mean, like getting some level of pressure without having to go bonkers blitzing is kind of the straw that stirs the drink. For that defense, because as good as the back end is, we saw on Saturday what can happen when Dylan Gabriel, a very good quarterback with very good weapons, can do with free time. I think Miles Purchase is a very good defensive back, but they went and picked on him, and that only gets easier when they have all day to pick on him. Where like it's hey Miles, we need you to go or TJ or Darian Porter or Malik Verdon, any of them, you know, asking them to cover for three to five seconds is a hell of a lot different than. Uh, defending for five to seven to ten seconds and that's what Iowa State is doing right now because they're not able to get not only home for sacks but to get any pressures the the only guy with multiple sacks on this team right now is Caleb Bacon yeah the backup linebacker and both of those came against you and I I think Iowa State defensive linemen only have a combined two sacks on the season and again sacks are not the only way to measure you know how much pressure they're putting on the quarterback but it is a pretty good indication that they're not getting the level of pressure that they need to to make this whole thing work. But when this team has had the Big 12's top sack person for the last two years, maybe three years, 
that's the, in 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 um in in Jaquan and and and, and Will McDonald. That is, that is and and this year, like you said, the only one of multiple sacks is 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 Caleb Bacon, a little used Caleb Bacon. There is there is a problem, and and I'm of the belief that this problem isn't going to fix itself, be resolved this season. Now going forward, Iowa State maybe can thank its lucky stars that they're not playing a Dylan Gabriel type quarterback for a while until they get to um, Quinn Ewers. The, the Texas quarterback. I think that'll be Iowa State's last above, uh, way above board, uh, above level quarterback that they'll that they'll face. Um, but certainly, when you like you said, when you're a defensive back, you're really got got a lot going on back there because when when there's no pass rush, I mean, and even. Even like you said, Iowa State's never been a big, a big sack team as a as a per se as a team, as a unit. But they've been pretty good about putting pressure on the quarterback, and and, and forcing him into out of his comfort zone. Well, that certainly hasn't been the case this year, and it was to the point after Saturday night's game that that. Campbell and and refresh my refresh my memory here. I thought my memory serves that that Campbell said we need to get more pressure on the quarterback. Is that what, yeah? I mean, he said at yeah. times it looked like they were watching seven on seven. Which yes, for exactly. Those of you who don't well, know what that is, is, is it, passing. Where's the buck stop with that? Well, I mean, I think. To I mean, thing, if they need to get pressure on the quarterback, why doesn't Matt say something to to John? And maybe they do. I don't know. I'm sure <laughs> it's come up. Yeah. Well, I would. I would. Hope. And I think like. And that's w- nothing against John Haycock because, like I say, I'll I'll go to war to that, for that guy. He's been great, and he still is. But I he think, just does, he's just got young guys this year. Yeah, I think for me, the framing is not so much about fixing the pressure because I don't think you can fix it because like the guys are the guys, right? And they're not able to get it done right now. And I think it's hard to. I, I wouldn't anticipate that changing in the middle of the season, so I don't want to look at it as fixing. I think you got to look at it as changing what they do. Right? It probably means blitzing more frequently, more guys, and from more uh, positions, I think is probably the answer to getting more pressure. Now the question will be for Haycock and Campbell, is that pressure worth, is the potential for the pressure generated by those more exotic blitzes worth the risk of getting picked apart because of those blitz, blitzes are risky? And I so that'll be the, the thing they have to juggle and measure and balance as they go forward, you know, short of, you know, Trent Jones all of a sudden becoming Will McDonald the fourth, you know, it's just, those are the things that they've got to juggle. And I think those are real concerns. And it's a concern. The level of concern for the defense to me is as high as it's been since they switched to this in 2017, which again, don't get it twisted, is a testament to how good those defenses have been. Rather, it's not like the bottom has dropped out for this defense. Yes, they gave up. 40 points to Oklahoma on defense, but I think Dylan Gabriel was fantastic. I think that's a good Oklahoma offense. So I don't think this is a five alarm fire by any means, but it is the highest level of concern for what has been an elite defense for a long time. And I think you look on the other side of the ball offensively, it felt like Iowa state took a big step forward on Saturday as you and I were talking throughout the game in the press box. And then you go back and it's like, uh, Mm-hmm. A pick six, 
a really bad second interception by Rocco Becht in the first half, and then you know getting goose egged in the second half, shut out. So really, the improvement that we saw was two big plays that were the Oklahoma safeties kind of screwed up and allowed Iowa State to score. Iowa State, don't get me wrong, gets full credit there. But how much are we buying that this is the offense has broken through the logjam of the Iowa and Ohio games and is now on the other side of you know really struggling? Not that, again, this is going to be an elite offense, but are we buying they're on the other side of being, to, again, to use Campbell's word, embarrassing? Which was, was just about the offensive line one game, but I'm extrapolating. Yeah, and I'm not sold that the offensive line is, is, is improved to the point where we can say this is consistent. But I think we can both agree that Iowa State's offense took a step forward against Ohio. I think we can all agree that the offensive line took a step forward in the first, let's just say the first half, because there were some decent runs it, during the second half, although it didn't show up on the scoreboard, there were still some decent runs. They just didn't get the ball in. So, okay, so so two steps forward, one step back. So it, what it's been so far is one and a half step forward and one step back. I mean, and we'll see what it what it is on Saturday. TCU is not great, I don't think. This If Iowa State, in fact, We'll see which which offense Iowa Iowa State is. We'll see which which offense, you know how they how they do, because TCU, despite whatever they are, three and one, they lost to Colorado, which obviously we're finding out isn't great, by what three points, well, two points in the opener. Yeah, but Colorado also doesn't have Travis Hunter, which makes a big difference. I'm okay. Yeah, okay. Colorado's not a top fifteen team, but they're they're pretty good. They're pretty yes. They're a bull team, and, and and TCU certainly is not like TCU was last year. They're back to reality. But they're still playing lights-out defense. It'll be a great test again for Iowa State's offense. We'll see if if this offense can take, what would it be, two-and-a-half steps forward after Saturday. But I, 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 I don't have any way to predict that at all. But all I know is is that when Sama, yeah, I'm a Sama guy, when Sama and, and um, Eli Sanders got the ball around the edges, they dude, they were the, the, those plays were there, and they took advantage of them most of the time. Somehow, some way, Iowa State needs to do that, and then it loosens up the middle. Which Iowa State, Iowa State broke some runs through the middle. They weren't Brees Hall like like runs that 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 are in, that stick with us, with all of us in our minds. We can all envision those runs, but but it was it was a start. Um, and, and this this Iowa State running back room. Campbell's been singing its praises all year about how balanced it is and about how it's it's good balance. I mean, Norton's carried the ball forty five times. Sama's Just two had times a, on Saturday, huh? Just two times. I, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, Sama's thirty two. Eli is twenty seven. Um, no, I and I get that because because Sama and Eli were doing we're you know we're, we're doing well. I mean, he's going to go with quote-unquote, the hot hand. I mean, okay, there's nobody been hot in that Iowa State running back room, and I don't think anybody's going to be hot this year in the Iowa State running back room. But occasionally they break a, break a play or two um, um, and, then don't, and then don't make mistakes. I mean, my gosh, the mistakes on Saturday were, were horrendous. It, to me, the Iowa State offense, the most encouraging thing, and I think, Randy, you wrote about this and we talked about it on Saturday, is that there seemed to be an acknowledgement that the running game 
has been bad and you got to change the way things are. And Iowa State came out throwing. I believe their first three plays of the game were passes. That last one really hurt them. (laughs) But again, like if you want to be process or result, I think you got to look at both. The process, I think, acknowledge that running the ball endlessly into the line is not the way to go. They came out throwing first. They tried to get the ball out to the edges more than trying to slam it between the tackles. So again, I think if you want to be encouraged, even beyond you know the touchdowns to Higgins and Noel, the Noel mm-hmm. had the other one, because I think those were more Oklahoma blowing coverage. Which again, like if but you, you have, you have put to take position, hundred percent, you got to <laughs> yeah. you got to put them in position, got to take advantage. But I think in terms again process results, the process of getting the decision making to say we're going to put the ball in Rocco Beck's hands. And again, this is a true uh, redshirt freshman quarterback. He only completed 45% of his passes. He threw two picks. One's a pick six. These are the lumps that inexperienced quarterbacks usually take, right? Like these are, this is not out of the realm of uh, a reasonable game on the road against a top 15 team for a rookie quarterback. These are games that guys have not on benched, though. For example, and, and I was yeah. Zeb Nolan didn't complete seventy five percent of his passes for three hundred fifty yards and three touchdowns against Oklahoma State. Right, so, exactly. But, but I mean, prior to that, though, I mean, but and we're not going to see that with with Rocco. I mean, that, that's not happening. For, but for my sure. point is, the big concern I think for Iowa State fans after Ohio was that Campbell was going to say, "To hell with everybody. We're still going to do what we're going to do." Yeah, and that did not happen. They came out, and again, I don't think you're going to see him throw it sixty five times a game. But 45 is not going to be out of the, the conversation, I don't think, where they're going to try to throw first to run later. And I think that saw some benefit to that. Oklahoma, I think, was able to take away the middle of the field, bring a little bit more pressure to Rocco in the second half, and that discombobulated what Iowa State was trying to do. But again, the que- the big looming question, and I think they're having this over in Iowa City as well, was, is there going to be a fundamental shift? Not a change, but a shift. And I think we saw that on Saturday, which is encouraging on a number of levels if you're an Iowa State fan. But this gets back to what we were talking about earlier, Randy. Are they playing good football? Are they playing productive football? Those two things are in a little bit of tension in that playing good football doesn't necessarily matter this year because you're not as talented as some of these other teams. Playing productive football matters for winning games this year. Playing good football probably matters for winning games in 24 and 25. I'm not saying you throw away 23 because these things are precious, but I think you can hold those two thoughts in your head at the same time if you're us, if you're Matt Campbell, or if you're an Iowa State fan. Yeah, you can't throw away 2023 because it's you build up confidence and build up momentum and and, and look at the, the the young guys right now that are that, that are getting experience. It's just a matter of learning on the job, and they're trying to learn on the job against the against very good Power Five opponents. And right now, you're in the thick of the Big Twelve schedule. The rest of you're going to play seven more Big Twelve conference, seven more games that are all Big Twelve conference games. Um, you know, and it's it's not going to be easy for the for these kids. But uh, like you said, it's 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 also like you insinuated. It's also about moving forward moving the program forward after this season and taking advantage of the supposed, and if you go by recruiting ratings, the, the very good recruits that Iowa State has coming in. Yeah, and I think, again, you talk about the youth on this team and you see it all over the field, and I do think there's reason to be optimistic that this youth is talented youth. Mm-hmm. It's not 
know, these aren't guys that they were headed to the Mac before Iowa State swooped in with an offer at the end of the day, and they're trying to build them up over the course of four or five years. I think this is a case where Iowa State's getting good players, but unless you're getting the absolute elite players, it's really hard to walk in as a true freshman or even as a redshirt freshman or sophomore and compete with 23- and 24-year-old five-star guys or guys that have high-level experience like Oklahoma does. Um, So interesting situation. I I, I noted this someplace on my notebook, but I can't find it now, and maybe it helped if I brought my glasses. He's 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 already burned the red shirt of, of four or five freshmen, probably I think five freshmen. So I mean, yeah, I mean they're they're all in on there. And yeah, they're all th- in. Those guys are uh, are making contributions. We're going to talk about a guy making contributions on Sundays when we come back on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on one hundred six three FM and fourteen sixty KXNO. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station one hundred six point three KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. He's Randy Peterson. I'm Travis Hines talking all things Iowa State football today. Um, If you missed any of our discussion both about Iowa State's vanishing defense and interesting offense, be sure to check us out wherever it is you get your podcasts. We'll have more to say as well on Thursday when we do our live show that you can watch on YouTube, Facebook, uh, or hear the podcast, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Also, that comes out Thursday at 1 p.m. if you want to watch or listen live. And ask questions. And Randy loves the questions. Um, But for the rest of this show, we're going to talk about a former Cyclone in Brock Purdy, which we talked about him a little bit last year when he was bursting onto the scene with the 49ers, but I think it gets worth dropping in to talk about how he continues to be one of the NFL's best quarterbacks, <laughs> at least one of the most successful quarterbacks, despite coming Productive, off major sure. elbow surgery yesterday against Arizona, 20 of 21, 283 yards and a touchdown. I think he completed his first 10 passes for the season. Dude has a thousand yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Trying to see here. Where were we at for a completion percentage? 72.3% completion percentage. Undefeated as a starter. Probably, maybe, was on his way to the Super Bowl last year before that unfortunate elbow injury. Uh, but for a guy that uh, Iowa State recruited, not under the radar, but was on early and then you know kind of kept away from the Blue Bloods and then went on and to then, have yeah. the best career by any Iowa State quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, Hell of a hell of a story for Brock Purdy to now being again. I don't know if he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but he might be. There's an argument. Okay, I have a question for you that goes along with with that. Where are you in the discussion that and I'm just asking the question, where are you in that Brock Purdy is a product of the system? Put Brock Purdy on a team where he has to make plays and he'd be average quarterback. At best. I don't care. Exactly. That, that's where Thank I'm at. Thank you so much. Like, exactly. Who gives a flip? The only yes. people that should care about that are <clears throat> GMs if they were going to trade for or sign Brock Purdy in the future. Yeah. I think like that'll be a question for San Francisco when he's up for free agency because I think right now he's making like 800000 a yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Like if he were to hit free agency after this year, I mean... How much money does he get paid? Like, oh, I know, it's something, I ast- that's, that's, something astronomical, I would imagine. I would think. But, yeah, I mean, so 
a product of the system. Okay, he, let's say he is. He's still completing those passes with Bohemus coming at you. He's still he hasn't screwed up a handoff, for example. Well, and that's not probably not easy. He's getting the job done, and he's winning, and he's leading the team to victory, and he's a leader on that team. There is a little-known provision, though, that we haven't talked about, that if they do win the Super Bowl this year, did you know that actually on the inside of the ring, they'll put a thing for Purdy that says product of the system? That you have to have that, so I'm sure that like that that's in the NFL bylaws. Let's not that on the inside it will be inscribed with an asterisk that says "product of the system." Point. Let's not. I don't want anybody. Who gives a anybody. damn? That's. I was just going to say. Who cares? Yes, but that. Is, but if you the Brock Purdy discussion, whenever anybody discusses it, that's always out there. It's irrelevant. Here, He's still doing the job. Here would be what I would say too about that. Let's say he is a product of the system. Which again, I've already said I don't really care about. Right. But let's let's just We've go down this rabbit that. hole. Yes. Has anyone been as good, efficient, productive, consistent in this system mm-hmm. as Brock Purdy? No, no, well, not, not that I know of. I mean, I the mean, dude has been we'd amazing. Heard about it by now. Yeah, I mean, it's like Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't doing it. Trey Lance wasn't doing yeah. it. I mean, obviously, like Kyle Shanahan knows what the hell he's doing with quarterbacks. If he gets the guy that he wants, that quarterback's probably going to thrive in that system. But isn't that the whole freaking point of coaching? Exactly. <laughs> like putting your guys in position to succeed. So yes. again, like if you're a GM or if you're a fan of a team that needs to sign or trade for a quarterback and suddenly Brock Purdy's available, okay, then it's probably worth having a discussion because there's a salary cap. How much are you going to pay for this guy if he can only do X, Y, and Z things? Maybe he can do X, Y, Z, and A, B, C, and one, two, three, and the whole damn thing. But if that's not the case, then I think it's probably worth sitting back and saying, this dude, this team, this offense is accomplishing things that very few dudes, teams, and offenses and have ever accomplished. And this dude is a pretty good NFL quarterback. Well, and like, if you remember, I think it was probably after his sophomore season, Randy, like we talked to people that were like, I don't know if he's a first-round quarterback. They were concerned about his size. But they were maybe, concerned about his arm strength. But they didn't show me. I didn't see any problem, and I I made it through his game yesterday. I didn't make it all the way through the Chiefs, but um, he he didn't have any problem with arm strength yesterday. Well, my, That's for damn my sure. point is is that he did not have insane junior and senior years at Iowa State, but there was a time where his talent looked like potentially elite draftable talent, and. I think when you look at the way Iowa State's offense performed after him and that they fired their OC, like, again, it's worth wondering, like, did they take full advantage of him? And at the same time, they had Brees Hall, they had, like, there was a lot of mouths to feed there. And obviously, Campbell doesn't want to be running gun. So there's only so much you can do within that confines of the system. But I think he's super talented. The work ethic is elite and the accuracy was always elite. And the decision making's been good, and he hasn't been doing like the wild throw the ball backwards to TCU or do a volleyball spike to uh, Clemson. And like when you eliminate that stuff, he was always really damn good. In the play, I don't see. I don't even remember those. I do remember those plays. How could you possibly play, forget because those? Because I'm I'm Mr. Positive here. The play that I remember is is in that Oklahoma State game that whatever it was, seventy five yard, fifty yard, whatever it was, bombed to to Keem Butler where where. Everybody's saying, "My God, Iowa State's got a new quarterback, and this is the real deal." And he was. So anyway, that's where I'm standing. Brock Purdy, NFL quarterback, successful NFL quarterback on maybe the uh, Super Bowl front runner at this point, undefeated as a starter. Oh ho hum! 
in regular season yeah. games and games in which he uh, did not suffer a torn UCL. So, that, I mean, that's pretty good, too. Um, this show was pretty good. I don't know. It was yeah. fine, I guess. I mean, maybe it was a system show. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll <laughs> yeah, find it's out. It's going to be on the inside of your of your Emmy or whatever. whatever. Yeah, my Marconi. What, Marconi. Yeah, it's going to th- be on the inside of your Marconi ring. That's all we got for today. He's Randy. I'm Travis. This has been the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM. And 1460 KXNO. Again, we'll be back Thursday for the live show. But thank you for listening today, and we'll catch you next time.